I want to get straight into what I want to talk about uh, today. And first of all, um, as you know, if you've been anywhere near us, uh, Andy and I have been going berserk over this book, Gentle and Lowly, by Dane Ortland. And um, last week we, we commended it to you with all our hearts. It's, it's, it's probably the best book we've, we've ever, either of us have ever read. We both feel that. And um, I'm delighted to say um, that St Andrew's Bookshop have actually sold 1,300 copies uh, in the last week. And I'm delighted for them uh, because they're a great ministry. But even more, I, I'm delighted because already a number of folk are starting to read it and sending messages uh, via social media and other ways saying what an impact it is having on you. And the heart of the book is revealing who Jesus is. Uh, there's lots of books that have been written about what he does. And uh, I really believe that this is something that God is, is wanting to say to the church of Jesus in our nation and around the world afresh. Uh, and it, there's so many fresh ways in which God is speaking, not just through this book, but in other ways. Um, I, I'm encouraged, we're both encouraged, Andy and I, that um, we did that series on John's Gospel uh, before we ever came across this book uh, in the autumn, which was about who Jesus is. And uh, I just want uh, to read you just literally a couple of quotes uh, from uh, this book, because what I want to say comes from this. Um, Dane Ortland says this, Do you know what God does with those who squander his mercy? He pours out more mercy. God is rich in mercy. That's the whole point. And then, lowly gentleness is not one way Jesus occasionally acts towards others. Gentleness is who he is. It is his heart. And then this one I love. Jesus doesn't simply meet us at our place of need. He lives in our place of need. He never tires of sweeping us into his tender embrace. It is his very heart. It is what gets him out of bed in the morning. And then this one, final one. Christ is love covered over in flesh. Pull back the flesh of the Stepford wives or the Terminator and you find machine. Pull back the flesh on Christ and you find love. That is who he is. Generous love, merciful love, compassionate love, committed love, never-ending love, unfailing love, says the scripture. This is who he is. And I, for one, want to bask uh, more and more in this truth. Why is it important for us to understand uh, the depths of God's love. Why does it matter? It matters for a few reasons. First of all, it brings us joy and delight. Uh, for me, as I've read this and gone back to the scriptures, because this is basically a, um, a study of the scriptures, um, as I've gone back to the scriptures and I've, I've, I've reread passages that I've read so many times and it's like, Oh my word, I never saw that in it. I never saw it like that. It has brought me a renewed joy and delight 
Uh, I've said to, to my friends, I feel like when I first became a Christian, uh, when you really know, when you know in your knower and not just have to remember uh, that his committed love never, ever ends. It brings you joy and delight. It heals us. We find healing in his presence. We find healing in his love. We find healing in the knowledge and the experience of God's love for us. It gives us, number three, perspective on life. And I know that that is true for me. I've noticed uh, the, last, the last month or so, um, things that would have really um, thrown me or upset me or got me wound up or even a little bit anxious, uh, not completely, but I'm a lot, lot calmer because it's like, well, you know what? In the end, I know you and I love being with you. And I love your presence. And I love the fact that you are totally committed to me. And you will never forsake me. You will never abandon me. You will never, ever change your mind about me. I am safe with you. I can never shock you. And that gives me perspective on the rest of life. Lastly, it enables us to be more like him. The knowledge of God's love, his unconditional love, changes us. And there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians. As we behold his glory, we are changed into his likeness or transformed from one degree of glory to another. That's how it works. That's how it works. Uh, beholding is becoming is the same. As we, as we see who he is, as we... Uh, we love because he first loved us. As we see his love for us, our love for him grows in response. And as we, we love him more, more of his love flows through us. It comes to us and then it flows through us. And what I want to do uh, this morning in the time left is, is I just want to talk about one way in which God's love uh, flows through us and it's one of our values as a church and it's uh, the value of generosity and generosity is at the heart of love it really really is and uh, I want to say at the beginning I I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here this is the most generous church I've, I've ever been involved in and um, it's, it's the most wonderful and I'm not just talking financially I'm talking in every way it's a privilege, it's a privilege to be part of this family. And I don't, I don't, and I know Andy doesn't, we don't take that lightly, and others on the team. But, but generosity is, why generosity? Because it's who God is. Uh, we want to value generosity as, as, as the expression of love for biblical reasons, and I want to show you there's lots of biblical reasons, and also for pragmatic reasons. It works. Generosity works. Um, God is the how much more God. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, good gifts of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That is his nature. God's love, agape love, agape is the Greek word for God's love, is a love that gives 
And it's, it's defined by giving. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Um, giving is the way God expresses his love. And then listen to this in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? He, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If he's already given us the best that he has out of love, the best gift we could ever have, which is Jesus, how could, how could he withhold anything else that is good for us? Anything else that will bless us? Um, that um, is how it works. Um, and then uh, God is the great giver we see in the scripture. And we are meant to be the great receivers. God is the great giver and we are the great receivers. It's pride that stops us receiving. It's pride that says, I don't need you, I can do it on my own. Humility receives gladly, first from God and then from others. Uh, in view of all that we have received from God, we want to live generously. Uh, in Matthew 10 verse 8, Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. We give because we have been given to. And it's a virtuous circle. So, so we have received, so we give. And when we give, we receive. You know, give and it will be given to you, said Jesus. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap. Now, you don't, we don't give so that we will get more, uh, because that's not giving, that's a transaction. Um, that, that's, we give out of love, we give out of a response to his giving to us, but the truth is, you can't outgive the giver. Do you see, it's his nature. It is his nature. And um, uh, generosity, uh, I believe, can be learned and nurtured. Just as we, 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 we teach little children to share. Come on, you can, you can share with your little sister. You can share with your little brother. Come on, it's good to share. So for us, it's something that can be learned and nurtured. Our natural tendency is to store up and keep for ourselves. That's what Jesus says in Luke 18. Uh, generosity is a behavior that can be learned. Jesus talks about generosity many times. He talks about it in our thoughts and our judgments of others. And just on that, I just want to read very quickly uh, from uh, Luke uh, chapter 6, beginning of thir and 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. The one I've said, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured into your lap. And so we learn how to give um, in, in lacking condemnation. We want to give rather, we want to not judge. We want to uh, be ones uh, that, 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 that think well of others. 
We want to be ones who do not condemn. We want to be quick to forgive, and we will be forgiven. It works like that. And, and the given, it will be given to you. In this context, it's actually in the context of not judging and forgiving. Given, it will be given to you. And so as we do that, as we do that, we become more like him. Uh, we give in our praying and our love, even for our enemies. Jesus says it's easy. Any, any sinful person, any bad person will, will love their friends, love those who love them. But what sorts out the spiritual men from the boys and the spiritual women from the girls is those who will choose to love even their enemies. This is what he calls us to. In Matthew 25, uh, in that amazing passage, uh, Jesus says that we're to give, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to, to give the thirsty a drink, to visit the prisoner, to welcome the stranger in, and so on. And when we do that for others, Jesus says we're doing it for him. It's an act of worship. Generosity is, first of all, an act of worship. We give to him by giving to others. And then, uh, finally, our money. Uh, and, and there's so many passages there. I'll just refer to this because I don't want to be, go on forever. In Matthew 6, 19 to 21, and Luke 21, verses 1 to 4. I haven't got time to read those passages, but Jesus talks about money. And this is not a talk about giving to the church, first of all. This is a talk about giving our money, our possessions around, around to others, blessing others, finding ways of being a blessing to others financially, with our possessions, with the things that matter to us, with our homes, with our time, with our gifts, with our attention with our ears to listen. Uh, it's to give in all those ways. But it also includes money. We're told in Acts chapter 2 of the church in Jerusalem, after the Holy Spirit came, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And that's what we've been aiming to do as a church over this last year in lockdown. We've been aiming to help one another. That's what happens in the family. And we've been aiming to help others who are not in our family. And another example, I won't, there's other examples. I haven't got time to go into them uh, today. Uh, we can grow in this together. And we want to do this as individuals, but we want to live generously as a church community, as a family. Generosity makes a statement. Actions, as they say, speak louder than words. To live generously together, it says something. Because, because in, a, in a world that can be so mean, in a world that, that can be mean with our words, you know, I've I just been sickened over the last couple of weeks watching Twitter, reading Twitter feeds. I've had to stop myself. Uh, and the nastiness and the, and the negativity and, and the attacking of people uh, it's horrible, and sometimes Christians do that. Sometimes we in the church do that. And to speak well, to speak love, to speak, to speak truth in love 
It changes people. Uh, generosity is contagious. Do you know, when we, when we live in generosity, we grow in generosity and others catch it and it becomes fun. And I, and I just want to talk very briefly before I finish on, on Barnabas, who, if I had a patron saint, he would be my patron saint, not just because he's from Cyprus, uh, but because his name means son of encouragement. And Barnabas, uh, it, the first time we meet Barnabas, uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, he sold fields and brought the money and laid the money at the feet of the apostles to do with what they wanted. But Barnabas wasn't just generous with his fields, he was generous with his heart. When no one wanted to know Paul, after he became a Christian, because he'd been persecuting the church, Barnabas went to Jerusalem and he found him. And he took him to the apostles, to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And he said, now you're all, you're all keeping away from this guy because of his reputation, but you know my reputation. You know, you know I sell fields and give you money to feed the hungry. So I'm putting my reputation on the line and I'm going to speak for the one with no reputation. And I'm going to tell you, God's doing something in him. Trust him. He spoke up for Paul when no one else would. And then a little bit later, uh, he, went, he went from Antioch, which was his home, uh, to Jerusalem to find Paul and to take him back to Antioch. And he spent two years with him, I'm sure discipling him, doing Bible study with him, praying with him, maybe, maybe talking to him about his temper and, um, and sometimes his harshness. He invested in him. And then we read when uh, the elders of the church at Antioch, the Spirit said to them, set apart Paul and Barnabas to go on their first missionary journey. If you notice, it says Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas chose to play second fiddle and to support Paul in his ministry, having invested in him and, and having, having poured his life into him. When they had the situation with John Mark, when John Mark deserted them as a young man, and then, and then uh, Barnabas said, why don't we take him on the next journey? And Paul said, no way, he deserted us. We must be mad, he let us down once, never again. Their dispute was because Barnabas was saying to Paul, hold on, Paul, you messed up, and I, I, I stood up for you, and I spoke up for you, and you had another chance, are we not going to give that to John Mark? You see, Barnabas was always, always an encourager. And what I've realised over my years and in my own life is that we all flourish under encouragement. And, and, and the mean-spirited part of us might say, oh, you don't want to encourage that person too much. They might get proud. Or, or it might go to their head. Or, well, there's, there's these things that they're not good at. Is that what you say about your kids? Is that what you say about your six-year-old? Oh, well, my six-year-old isn't perfect, so I won't encourage him too much. Or I won't encourage her too much. No, of course not. We want to be like Jesus. He pours out his love on me, his encouragement on me, when I don't deserve it. That's what mercy is. Mercy is love when you don't deserve it. 
And so we pour it out on others when they, in our opinion, might not deserve it. Now, we're not talking about flattery. We're talking about seeing the best, seeing what they can be, seeing who God has made them and bringing it out of them, letting it grow forth from them. That's how it works. So, how how does it look at our church? It is more blessed to give than to receive. I better check the time. Oh, we better stop soon. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It says, Paul says, quoting the words of Jesus, how do we give? We give as an act of worship. We give as a step of faith. We give with gratitude and joyfully. I'm going through this very fast. We give as a decision. Love is a choice. It's a choice we make. Romantic love can sometimes be a gooey feeling. But agape love is, is a choice and it's a decision. And to, to give generously, to love generously. Generosity releases blessing. Because we're a family and because therefore we can do more together. Do you know there's things that we have been able to do as a church together that we could never do individually to bless people. Some of the stories from the Hardship Fund this year we can never tell because they're personal. But there are folk in Watford who are not Christians, who, who we have been able to support because of everyone's generosity. And it's brought them to tears. It's, it's rescued them. It's saved their lives. There's things we can do together that we can never do on our own. And we give for the sake of others. Generosity is sacrifice for the benefit of others. Anne Frank, the amazing uh, uh, Jewish girl who was murdered by the Nazis in Holland in the Second World War, who wrote her diaries when she was hidden in a house, she once said, no one ever became poor through being generous. I love that. No one ever became poor through being generous. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Do we want to follow the one whose generous love changes us and live generously in this world? And something that I just thought, uh, just during the service actually, uh, um, uh, right just before the service started, we were talking to Deji and, 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 and I said about the vaccination programme and, and the concerns that there are about a variant coming that might not be um, susceptible to the vaccine. And the saying that until the whole world is vaccinated, none of us are safe. And how ridiculous it is that some of the very rich countries are hoarding and are looking at hoarding millions of vaccines when actually, uh, if, we gave them, if we gave excess away quickly, we're more likely it will benefit us. Now, that's an example of when we give, it, it blesses us. We don't give for that reason, but blessing comes back. How much more, how much more to live generously? We want to give as a church to other churches. We want to give, continue to give to those who are struggling. 
We want to give for the sake of mission. We want to give that God's word would be proclaimed. We want to give to those who are hungry. We want to be a church that gives, just as we have been. This is one of our values. Where does it come from? It comes from who he is. It comes from the love of Jesus for us. God loves a cheerful giver. That can be translated a hilarious giver. I love that. I love that. It frees us. It frees us. It's a step of faith and it's a wonderful act of worship.